Hey, everybody. Welcome to the You Are Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me. I'm your host. I'm Father John. I'm the executive director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything related to transforming the church. And uh, Mary, it's just you and me again. Again. You know what we're going to have to do? Does Nick still work here? We're going to have to build a cutout. For oh, yeah. Nick, yeah. and put it over here in this chair so we, we can at least look at some semblance of our brother, who we miss and love so much. Maybe a bobblehead. <laughs> yeah. We'll get a Nick, Nick Jorgensen <laughs> bobblehead. Nick, we love you and we miss you. Come back soon to the podcast room. Uh, absolutely. Mary, what's our, uh, what's our topic today? Yeah, so Father John, our topic today is the absolute key to the transformation of the church. That's right. We've actually stumbled upon it. We have the answer that everybody's been waiting to hear. <laughs> We know the one know thing that most needs to happen for the transformation of the church, and we can't wait to break this open with everybody, right? And of course, we know that's not true because we are so reliant on the Lord. So, Father John, would you open us in prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for the time that we have to be together right now. Lord, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to bless and animate this conversation, that we would indeed talk about the one thing that is at the heart of the transformation of the church. That all of our ears, minds, and hearts would be attuned to whatever it is you wish to say, however you wish to say it to us. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we really do mean it. We think we have the absolute key to the transformation of the church because... The absolute key to the transformation of the church is the transformation of me, right? Amen. And I was sharing with you earlier uh, in the week, uh, the Lord just laid it upon my heart. You know, we talk all the time in the church about miracles and signs and wonders. Mm. And uh, praying before the Blessed Sacrament one day last week, I just felt like the Lord said, the biggest wonder, the biggest wonder that I want to work today is in me. Yeah, amen. The biggest wonder is is in us, and that's a transformed life. That's what God wants for each and every one of us. Yeah, and that, that really is our topic. So our topic is really our own transformation and the season of Lent, because my gosh, it is hard to believe, but Lent is next week. It's been I'm, a penitential year, though. Hasn't oh, I don't it? know about you. Yeah, I feel like I've been in Lent for like a year. You know, like I think we had a blip of Easter. It, sometimes I look at the calendar, I'm like. Is it really that time again? It just seems like yeah. we've been in February or March since last year for time right. immemorial. In it my has own been life. a unique season, that's for sure. It really has. So we want to share with everybody. Um, well, actually, before we share with them, I'll just give you. A, I, I was thinking about the the podcast this morning in prayer, and it, I don't know if this is humorous. This is going to actually go against everything we're about to say, but. I honestly don't know why I even bother to prepare for Lent anymore. Because every time I prepare for Lent, I, you know, I, I think, I probably think more than I pray about what I should do. Uh, and it seems like God just throws that out the window right away because um, Lent never is what I imagined it to be. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I decided I was going to try to be in solidarity. I think a bunch of us as uh, brothers in the parish, we were going to live in solidarity with the poor. And we were just going to eat beans and rice for the whole season of Lent. And 10 days into it, my dad died, and that changed the whole focus of Lent for me, right? And uh, and then last year, you know, I had whatever I came up with, uh, and then the pandemic hit, and I mean, who knows what's coming in 2021? Right. And yet, as disciples, 
we want to get all we can out of this season. And a friend of mine always used to say, you know, you get out of Easter what you put into mm. Lent. Boy, isn't that great. That's so true. So we want to put everything we can into right. Lent. And right. so we, we want to encourage us really to use, you know, to use these, uh, whatever day you're listening to this, might be Monday, might be later in the week, to use this time before Ash Wednesday to think and to pray about how you can best get the most out of this season. What is God asking us to do? As opposed to just wake up on Ash Wednesday and go, oh, shoot, it's here. I can't eat today. We want to, we want to have a real intentional focus on this. So we want to share with everybody uh, a couple of thoughts, or maybe better, one thought and an image that the Lord recently gave to us when we were in an offsite at a location that was a lot warmer than this. So what's the thought? Well, so the, the, the thought is, is that um, wh- however we enter into Lent, like, like whatever it is you're, you're willing to give up, whatever penance that you want to take on, that we do it with an intention in mind. So, mm. so that's different than intentionality. I mean, it's one thing to enter in with intentionality to do X, Y, or Z, but to unite what it is we're giving up, we're sacrificing, we're fasting from with an intention in mind. Yeah, make it an act of love, right? As opposed to an act of, ooh, look how tough I can look, be. Look, I'm how giving up Brussels sprouts. Be. Ooh, <laughs> how, how heroic <laughs> of you. Yeah, so it's love as opposed to um, simply focusing on self-discipline, right? Right, right. So that's the, uh, I think of that as the Colossians one twenty four principle, right? So Paul says, I fill up in my own flesh what's lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, which is a really, that would be another great topic uh, as, a, as a podcast episode one time. But the, the basic thrust of what Paul's saying there is, you know, there's only one Redeemer, that's Jesus, and yet he invites us, he allows us to participate in his work of redemption. And we do that when we unite our own sufferings to the cross. And sometimes those sufferings are massive, like cancer, and sometimes those sufferings are really small, like I'm not eating chocolate. And they're, and they're all fruitful. They're all fruitful right. if we turn them into an act of right. love, right? So right. yeah, so uh, offer up whatever we're going to do, whatever penance we're going to take on. Let's do it for someone out of love. And we have a couple of ideas on how to do that, don't we? Yeah, we do. You know, we, we, we talk a lot. And those of you who listen to us regularly, you know how we talk about that the church is crying. And maybe one of the ways that we can enter into this Lent and somehow assuage the cry of the church is to unite whatever it is we're doing for Lent for the church, for those who are leading the church, for for wisdom, oh, especially our beautiful bishops, bishops, for wisdom for them, for courage. And just as we're praying for our own deepening conversion, we're praying for the deepening conversion of those who are shepherding our church right now in this very difficult time. Yeah, so intention one, let's, whatever we give up, I'm going to do this out of love. I'm going to stop, if I'm I'm one of those people who's complaining about the leadership in the church, I'm going to stop doing that, and I'm going to say, Lord, I give you this little act of love for my own bishop or for somebody that I know in the country, whatever it might be, right. and Lord, just just 
Bathe them in your grace and your love. Fan into flame the fire that was first instilled in them huh? when they were first ordained. Like, return them to their first love if they need to be. What You alone, Lord, know what most needs to happen there. Just give them an abundance of your grace. Help, help them just to be amazed by what's happening in their lives. Like, they're meeting you all over again, uh, or maybe for the first time. Who knows what, right? So wisdom, courage, deepening conversion. What's another area, Father? Yeah, well, um, the government might need a little prayer as well, right? Oh. So our, we always want to pray for the leaders. Scriptures tells us to, to pray for the emperor. We always want to pray for those who govern us. So, you know, our own local governors, uh, certainly the president, the vice president, all those who exercise authority in our country, right? And for me, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm always keen to pray that God would help them to remember that he gave them authority and not power, mm-hmm. and there's a massive difference, right? We, we could do a podcast on that alone. Yeah, like power, how... is, power is something like, I'm in charge, right. you're not, isn't that too bad? I get to do whatever I want. You don't like it, you can try to take me out of office, whatever office I'm in. That's not biblical authority, though. That ain't that... even real authority, right. right? Real authority is, I've been entrusted with something on behalf of those that I govern so that they can flourish, right? So the, the, the Latin in authority shares a root for the word that we get augment from, which mm. means to give rise, to increase. You know, so those who have authority, their task is to help those in their care to grow. To thrive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, not to feel the weight of my thumb. So right. we want to pray for conversion, for wisdom, for grace to govern well, you know? And for those who are Catholic, uh, we want to pray in a special way. These are brothers and sisters in whatever office they're in who, like, came from the same womb I did. They're, they were baptized in the same font that I was. They, they've been nourished by the body and the blood of Jesus. And, and some of them are, are, are apparently striving to live in conformity to him, and some of them are struggling with that, right? And seem to be far away. And uh, I just want to pray that God will break into their lives and overwhelm them with his goodness and with his realness and with what he's called them and created them to be, and that they would understand that the first and most important relationship in their lives is the one that they have with him. That's right. That's what it means to love, right? And then we got one more, right? Yeah. You know, um, as you and I were talking about what we wanted to uh, break open today, um, just family, you know, that's another area um, that uh, we can unite our uh, Lenten fasts for our family. So maybe it's someone or someones in our family who have stepped away from the church mm. and are really struggling. Mm-hmm. Or, or uh, someone who's, maybe there's some strained relationships between brothers and sisters and parents. In and families? Strained relationships? No. <laughs> the world of family. Not a chance. Maybe someone's sick, or maybe there's some marriages that are really struggling. I mean, uh, we're all just part of that human condition, and we all know that our marriages and our families, um, this, this is where we learn. I mean, this is what we were just talking about. It's just not surviving. It's thriving. It's, mm-hmm. it's to love mm-hmm. them. To And all of us want healthy, whole families. And so for those things that are most on our hearts, those things that most cause us 
those things that break our heart oftentimes right. when we go to prayer and we're praying for our families. Let's unite our intentions for the healing of whatever God wants to heal in our families. Yeah, so maybe just to put a bow on this, so we talked about intentionality and intentions, yes. right? So, so our encouragement would be maybe something as simple as this. Use these days leading into Ash Wednesday to write down actual names. So names in the church, names in government, names in the family. And then put them somewhere where, you know, maybe for lots of reasons you don't want anybody else to see it, but put it somewhere where you will see it every day. Every day. Maybe it's a reminder on your phone or a note on your phone or, you know, something in your plan or whatever it might be. And then that's the intention and the intentionality, because I've written down the names, and then every day I want to look at that, and I want to say to the Lord, Lord, I'm doing whatever I'm doing today. I'm foregoing whatever I'm giving up out of love for them. That's beautiful. Right? Right. So that, that way we can, uh, hopefully, we can fill up in our own flesh what's lacking in the sufferings of Christ, and um, it will bear fruit, and we'll let God do with it whatever he wants to do with it right that's exactly right I, um i was thinking uh when we were when we were away and we had some time before the blessed sacrament in this beautiful chapel and um i, I was sharing with with you guys that um you know being before the lord in the blessed sacrament is like being in a waiting room mm. you know the doctor of life and so as you write these names in your phone or your or, or, or a separate journal, whenever you're going to pray, or, or whether, you know, if you're going to daily Mass or, or Mass on Sunday, bring those names with you and put them in, in the pew. Or if you're making that holy hour, you're taking all of these names to the physician of life, to that waiting room, yeah, saying, that. Lord, you can do what no one else can do. I just surrender all of these people to you to be healed. I love that. So you're talking about being away, so that gives us the image, right? So... Um... I don't want to make anybody jealous. So we just came back from a fantastic offsite uh, team retreat. Uh, a little bit of time to play. We played some golf. We had some great time of prayer. We had some. We had more laughs than I think we ever had. Um, Nick's alter ego showed up, and it was. <laughs> I think I was crying for four days in a row just listening to him talk in this voice, which hopefully we'll get him to do on a podcast sometime. <laughs> Uh, it was just a, a spectacular time, and we were in just beautiful surroundings, and, and the scriptures that day for Mass uh, were from Hebrews. It was right. Hebrews 12, and the passage was, um, Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And so I was praying that day with the scripture, and the Lord gave this image to mind, and the image was something like this. You know, so I love sports. We love sports. We played a lot of golf when we were away. We play a lot of golf as a team because it's just, it's a time for us to be outside, to enjoy each other's company, you know, to, to, to laugh and laugh at ourselves sometimes, depending upon what the shots look like. And so I was thinking, the Lord just gave me the image of, so let's take that passage and let's apply it to sports. So it's just like you were an athlete in, in college and in high school. It's an absolute given that if you're going to excel in sports, you have to train and you have to get coached and you have to exercise discipline. discipline. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if, if, you've, if you've ever played golf, you learn immediately 
like the moment you hit a swing for the first time or you take a swing and hit the ball, I probably got to go see somebody to figure out how to do this (laughs) if I want to hit it far and straight all the time, right? Right. And so we know that, like it's just a duh principle. Like if I want to excel in sports, I need a good coach, you know, even if I'm blessed with natural ability. And I felt like the Lord said, so why then do you have such a hard time letting me coach you? Why do you find it so difficult to let me discipline you? That's a game. There's really no payoff to that other than the enjoyment of it in the immediate moment. This is life, and there's there's not only eternal payoff, you know, in heaven, but there's the thrill of living well now, right? And so as I uh, continued to pray with this, the Lord continued to give this image, and the image was something like, because again, we were about to play golf— uh, Steve went to Deacon Steve went to golf school not too long ago. Thanks, Jeannie. Thanks, Jeannie. We're all jealous. Yeah, that was a gift. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I've done some stuff with coaches in the past, you know. And so, uh, when you go to a golf school or you spend some time with with someone on this, even though your whole game might be pathetic, uh, you can't usually build a whole game. And so the, the the coach will say something like, "So, where do you struggle the most? Right? right. Like, what's causing you the most strokes? Right. Is it your drives?" Is it your long irons? Is it your short irons? Is it your chipping? Is it your putting? Like, what part of your game most needs help? And then that's what we're going to work on. And at least you'll be able to cross that one off. And then I felt like the Lord brought me back to Hebrews and, and pushed me forward to Lent and said, so how about we approach Lent like that? Let's approach Lent like it's golf school. It's such a great image. And the Lord just said, so how helpful. about I coach you and where are you struggling the most? Like, what's, what's causing you the most strokes? <laughs> you know, like, uh, what brings you to confession? That's right. Over and over and over. What's the part of your game that you're just, the game of life, that you're so frustrated with that you wish was just not a burden anymore? And how about we just work on that? Right. Right? So maybe it's, uh, I don't pray. Or I don't pray like I'd like to. Or I don't pray sufficiently. Or maybe um, I don't read scripture. Or maybe I got a, you know, I have a, I have a pattern of swearing. Or maybe I'm bitter towards somebody. Or, you know, maybe I've got some problems with moderation, with alcohol or technology or whatever it might be. Maybe you're struggling with whatever it is. Like, what's that area? Again, much like we're talking about using these days to come up with names, use these days leading to into Ash Wednesday to just ask the Lord, Lord, reveal the area in my life, and it probably won't take too long, where I'm struggling the most. Right, where I'm resisting your training. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, um, Steve has, so Steve's a couple of years older than I am, and he just has this really beautiful short backswing, and it's, it's just so effortless, right? And, uh, and Nick, who's, uh, you know, he's been learning to play for the last year or so now, uh, it, but it's not, not just Nick. I think we all watched Steve swing and like, oh. Wow. Smooth, straight, yeah. easy going. Yeah, teach me to yeah. do that. Well, it's because it's attractive. Just teach right. me to do that. And right. so we, we take videos of each other as we're playing because it's the easiest way to, you know, to learn Make your swing. Make corrections. Yeah. Right. And so uh, I happened to be looking at Steve's, I I shared with him a video I had taken of him, and again, the Lord gave me an image. He says, how about if I show you a video of my life? 
And just mm-hmm. like you watch somebody else, you know, shoot a basketball or throw a football mm-hmm. or take a golf swing and you go, oh, will you teach me how to do that? Watch me and be attracted to that. Because as you watch Jesus live life, here's the first chosen reference of the podcast episode, he's so attractive. Right. Like, I think so many of us has this image of Jesus that he's just, he's very stoic, he's very, you know, he speaks with an English accent, no offense to the English. Uh, he's anything but attractive. This is the most, it's, he's the only real man who ever lived, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this is authentic humanity. And so to watch him is just to go... Oh, I want that. Yeah, help like, me be like that. Yeah, help, help me, me to be like that. Mm. I want. I want to have an easy life, not easy in the sense of free from pain mm. and all that. I'm not naive, but like I want to live well. Yeah, he's like he's like the uh, quintessential athlete. You know, we put athletes mm. all the times on you know on a pedestal, and we want to play like them, and we want to be like them. The one, the one that should be on the pedestal, the one who can teach us about the game of life, the the only game that matters, the game of life. Absolutely. Is Jesus Christ. And he is the ultimate athlete. I mean, that's yeah. actually not just a cute little image. An athlete in Greek is one who competes for a crown, mm. right? And the mm-hmm. ultimate crown is eternal life. That's right, the crown and of And Jesus competed for it, and he won it. And he's made it possible for you to meet to, to win it, right? I mean, it's uh, it was just Super Bowl Sunday last Sunday. Hope you guys are happy. Um, you can't all be happy because you either wanted the Chiefs or the or the Bucks. But um, however, however that game played out, because it hasn't happened yet for us as we're recording this, and whatever highlights they're showing over and over again, and whatever the feats of skill that Brady or Mahomes did, it doesn't come close. Right. To what Jesus has done. You right. they won a football game. Jesus mm-hmm. took on Satan and he crushed him. Right. He beat death. Like that's why he's the ultimate athlete, right? That's and right. back to Hebrews and back to that image, you know, uh, the letter to the Hebrews in chapter eleven talks about, you know, that great hall of faith, right? right. All these here the great right. athletes of the old testament. Right. And it talks about we're surrounded by them. And this image is one that the Lord's given me for years now, that the, the way the author to the letter to the Hebrews is writing, it's like we're, we're in a stadium in life here, and the stadium is filled with people who are the saints, and they're cheering us on because nobody at the Super Bowl is there to watch the game. They're there to change the outcome. Right. You don't go to a sporting event to watch it. Not if you care about who's playing. You go to the game to change the outcome, to somehow inspire the people who are on the field to do things that they could never do in their backyard in front of mom and dad, right? But there's 110,000 people watching this game, and they're screaming at the top of their lungs, and suddenly I have adrenaline, and I can do things that I, I couldn't on my own. That's us as Christians. We're on the field. We're playing the game of life, and the saints are in heaven. Like, they've become great. They weren't born great. They became great. They became great athletes, and they became great athletes because the Lord coached them. Amen. He trained them. Mm-hmm. He disciplined them, and they became what they became. And, and though they may not be here anymore, the one who coached them is with you and me, right? right. And the ones that, that, that played the game well and won the crown as well. They intercede for us. Oh, big time. They're, They're like with, the fans. That's exactly right. They're with us every single day. And oftentimes, it's not we who choose them. They they, they will choose us. Yeah. Oftentimes, saints move in our lives, and we know 
who it is that that's coming alongside us to fight. Yeah, that's right. For us as that's we right. fight this game of life, you know, we were talking about um, golf, obviously, and I'm thinking of all the golf greats and Ben Hogan um, was known to have practiced his golf swing so much that he forgot how to swing wrong. You shared that with us last week. And I'd never heard that before. And my prayer after I heard that was um, that we would all draw so close to Jesus, so close to the Lord, like the athlete, that we would forget how to live wrong. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? Gosh, you know, that, that, our, that our thoughts would be aligned to his, that our heart would be aligned to his, and that, and that that life would become so familiar to us that we wouldn't have that, bud, that bad muscle memory that we talk right. about oftentimes in sports. And so for Len, please, God, that one area that's causing us the most struggle, where we're like racking up the most strokes, wouldn't it be something if at the end of Lent, that was no longer an area of struggle. Right. We forgot how to do it wrong. And now all we're doing is we're living in virtue and we're united more closely to Jesus and we can cross that area off in our life, right? Right. So This hope, is doable. Yeah. yeah, it is. And there's just something really attractive about um, living a transformed life, knowing that there's a lot of things that I can't affect change in. I can pray and I can fast and I can unite my intentions to all of these worthy you know, the church, you know, our nation and our families, but my life, I, I, with God's grace can fight yep. and, uh, you know, lean into his grace and to come out looking a little bit more like him. So there you have it. There's the absolute key, the one <laughs> essential to the transformation of the church. I mean, we're going to hear over and over and over again, all throughout Lent, create in me, oh God, a, a clean, clean heart, heart, right? From Psalm yes. 51. And Renewing that me. word that's uh, that David prays there, create in Hebrew, uh, bara, it's a word that only God can do, right? This is David after he's committed adultery and murder. And he looks at the Lord, he goes, this is me, and I see it in me, and I'm never going to change, Lord, unless you do something. That's right. But you can. You created the universe that's 46 billion light years across. You can change my heart. You can create in me a clean heart. You can transform me. And if I get transformed then it means the church is on its way to transformation as well. Amen. And God wants to do this more than we want it. And because he wants to do it, because he's able to do it, because he's a God of insane, infinite power and ridiculous love, do not be afraid. He's with you, and you were born for this.